experience the ripple effect. This is the Empowering Youth Podcast from Building Utah Youth. A nonprofit organization established in 2007 to provide powerful leadership training to the youth of our communities. And now, here's your host, by board member, co-owner of Rapport International and certified trainer, Brett Johnston. Welcome back to the Empowering Youth Podcast with Building Utah Youth. I'm Jeff Gatano. I'm JJ Chinalski. And I'm Brett Johnston. And we have uh, Mr. Graham Henry with us here this evening. And we're so thankful that Graham would take some time out of his uh, busy life that he's moving forward in and to come spend uh, a little bit of time with us sharing his story. You know, Graham's Graham's only 19, but he's got a, a big story and he's got some bold goals for himself and he's got a huge support system behind him. So, you know, Graham, welcome. Yeah, I'm excited to be on here. So uh, I guess, should I just get started right now? Yeah, let's, let's, you know, we'll, we'll turn the time over to you. All right. So I guess to back things up from a where I like kind of my started where I, where I started originally. So my dad was in the military. Um, so I've been moving around all my life. And yeah. What branch of the military? That's important. Oh, he was yeah. in the, he was in the army. He did all kinds of things. He, uh, started as a foot soldier in South Korea. So there was a time there where he was, uh, gone, but eventually he came back and he moved to being an army recruiter. So we've been moving around with him all my life. It went, uh, Utah, Georgia, Utah, uh, Texas, Utah, Seattle, and then back to Utah. So, uh, lots of Utah in there, but I feel like all all of that was important. Like it showed me diversity because Utah, I hate to say there's, it's kind of a bubble here. There's a, you know, it's, it definitely has a certain culture here, but moving all over, it kind of showed me that there's more to life than just this certain area. And that there's a lot more diversity in besides just, um, you know, uh, I, just white people here. <laughs> I hate to say it, but it was because I remember going to Texas and just being one of the only uh, white kids. And that that's something that you don't really see very often, you know, that especially in the U.S., being on that army base out there. And so it allowed me to uh, detach myself and, you know, not just take people for who they are and not put them in a category or a bubble. And uh, based, me, based on character. Yeah, based on character, not you know, how they look, you know, it's, uh, it, no judgment there from that. Amen. Obviously very important with, you know, everything that's going on in the world right now. Yes. What you just said. Yes. I, I, I think that's really important. It definitely gave me a better perspective with everything that was going on instead of me just, you know, looking at it from a certain niche. Cause I had some friends who were looking at it and hating on it, but I kind of gave them some perspective understanding that, well, have you ever lived anywhere else? Have you ever experienced things like that, that could maybe give you a different perspective to see where they're coming from. So there's a lot to be said for that. Yeah. When you travel around, I like that. Really? There really is, you know, letting you see different walks of life. And I came back to Utah and then I went to school for a bit and I thought I'd be done moving by then. But then I got hit with the news that we're moving to Seattle. And that was a big one for me because I found- How old were you then? I was in fourth grade. So I was, you know, I was really starting to find my friends, getting comfortable. And then I just got hit with a culture shock and I like a reality check that, you know, things can change. And I, I didn't have a choice. I just had to go pack up with my family to the middle of nowhere and uh, kind of just, you know, go with the flow. And that, that was a really big shock there. I went from, you know, the mountains to going to raining all the time. And it was really diverse there. Like I, I remember, I, I don't know why I keep saying this, but I remember I didn't, I didn't have a single white friend there at all. And I, lived in the hood basically. And that, that showed me a lot. Like I had to walk to school there every day that, and I wasn't used to that. Like I would see, you know, people break into cars as I'm walking into school or, you know, policemen pulling over this dude with a bike and checking it, like pulling everything out of his backpack. And, uh, you know, I even got my bike stolen there, which <laughs> that sucked a lot. And, uh, it, it was cool though. Cause I, it put in perspective and it, I feel like that right there was a really important time. Like I really got closer to my family because we went there and we didn't know, you know, we had no friends. We didn't know anyone there. All we had was our little family. And so what was it like after you were there for a little while? Did you expand your friends circle? Yeah, I did. Eventually it, um, it, it took a while though to kind of figure it out. Cause it was, it was so different to, than Utah. Cause everyone here kind of acts a certain way. And I remember I go into the first day of school and 
all these little first graders are like swearing, saying the F word. And I just, I wasn't prepared for that. And I remember looking at this dude, I was like, but yo, that, that little kid's swearing, what's going on? This isn't normal. He's like, huh? What are you talking about? And I just kind of shut up after that. And, uh, you know, just realized that was just normal there that everyone's just kind of a hood rat. So, uh, <laughs> no, it, it was though, cause that's, that's just where we lived. It, cause that's another thing that was weird about Seattle is there's like no middle class. It's either you're rich and you live in like right by the lake or you kind of just like get to live in the hood. So, um, where were you there? Downtown Seattle? Can um, we lived in Renton. 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 Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right by Lake, uh, Washington. Yeah. Very familiar with that. You know, one of the things that just stood out is you said that that's where you really started to bond as a family. Yeah. Cause like I said, I didn't have really many friends. It was a new experience. So, uh, our family always went together and like, it, it was kind of fun cause we just had to experience the city together as a family. And, uh, you know, we didn't really have a huge group of people. And so I got to experience a lot with them going out to like the pier Pikes marketplace and always going boating together and, you know, just, just learning to not take things like friends for granted or even your family for granted. Cause you know, you never know, like something could happen in your life. You could have to pack up shop and just leave. So so the one true thing that you've had up until this point is your family. Yeah. So you moved there at four and, and it was again a shock. You got to leave your friends. And how long were you in Seattle? We were there for, I believe it was either two and a half years or three and a half years. So I was there from uh, fifth grade to sixth grade. And uh, that, I, I, that was, it was just really interesting. That, and it was weird coming back to Utah, especially because I went from living into a very diverse area where you know, there's not a lot of judgment because there's all kinds of walks there, you know, like the majority of my friends were all Hispanic or uh, black. And then I come back to Utah and, uh, and also another thing to point out is like, no one really cared how you dressed or how you looked. And then I came back to Utah and all of a sudden I felt like I needed like cool clothes. I needed to be part of the, you know, group, all of these things. Cause everyone had nicer things. And you, uh, when I moved back to Utah starting junior high here, so I had to almost completely switched my personality again from uh, Seattle. I mean, I took the good things, but I still was kind of in like a survival mode when I came back. And uh, thankfully I at least knew a couple people who went to that junior high, but that was a really interesting transition there. And you're the younger of the two boy, Henry boys. Yeah. Got an older brother, Benton. Mm-hmm. And you guys have, I mean, you're not that far apart in age. No, no, we're only 18 months apart. And so I'm very close with him. And I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. We had a, a time where like we, we were just on different paths. I remember he had way different friends than me. And I, I always remember I, was, I just kind of wanted to avoid him and kind of his friends and stuff. And it wasn't until later in life until he uh, left for boot camp. I'm jumping quite far forward here where I really, uh, that's know, okay. I, that's when I really realized once he left. Uh, yeah. Once he left, I, I realized I took him for granted. Like I, I loved my brother. Like I was all alone without him. And then, uh, you know, he came back and ever since then we've been extremely close and he's definitely one of my most best friends, uh, someone I can always rely on. So we have a really cool relationship and it, it took a while to get there, but I think that's, that's important to think about. Cause you know, you might not be in a good situation with your family right now, or, you know, something could be going on, but, Odds are, if you care about each other enough that you'll put the effort in and uh, you'll end up growing really closer than you were before. So you're in junior high and, you're, and you're, you're working yourself back into the environment and the new friends. And, and with that comes new challenges. You know, you've talked about perspective several times already mm -hmm. and, and diversity and being given the gift of, you know, the ability to see people for who they are and their character and, and, and not by anything else mm -hmm. and going from a non, you know, what you believe is being a place that doesn't judge to now feeling like you're being judged and it's not as diverse and you're back developing new friends and new relationships. And, and yet you're still a very close type family, but you've got all these new challenges and forgive me for my math, but right now you're, you know, seven years old, eight years old, um, nine years old, you know, you're still, you said moving into junior high. So, you know, now you're what, 11, 
12. Uh, yeah, you're like 12, seventh grade. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So junior high, 12 years old, that's when things really start to shift into high gear. That's when there's a lot of self-awareness, you know, before, before that age, you know, yeah, a lot of, a lot of kids, they can see things that others can't, but for the most part, they're kind of just kids. And once you hit that junior high age, that's when things really start to, you know, feel different and because you're changing and so are your friends and um you're maturing starting to mature and and at that point it's you're starting to really figure out who you are mm-hmm. so who were you at at that age well i i was just kind of known as the goofy kid who came back from uh seattle you know like i like you know i was i was known like i had a lot of friends still but i i remember uh, i i know it sounds silly but you know I remember going through puberty and I'm already a skinny kid, but it was like my legs grew and then my arms grew and then my feet got super huge and I had a small torso. So I remember always kind of having to deal with that. Everyone's like, we have no idea what you're talking about. Exactly. None of us. (laughs) None of us. Yeah. (laughs) But I I remember that that's kind of where insecurity started there. Cause you know, as a kid, you kind of take things to heart. People would, you know, poke fun at me like, Oh, you're so skinny. Like you're a twig, you're a string bean. And, And then another thing is, I remember another challenge that kind of rose up is like, I, I would used to just say kind of whatever I want. And then I remember for some reason, everyone would just start calling me awkward. And then like, I just let that go straight to my head. And I, like, I let that define me as a person and I just became, you know, pretty insecure. And I, I kind of went from doing things as my genuine self to doing things for attention or for validation, never really standing up for myself. I became a, a yes man for a period of time throughout junior high, uh, junior high, really hit in eighth grade where that insecurity kind of came in and I definitely latched onto my friends and, uh, you know, I mean, they were good friends, but, you know, we definitely got into some trouble with these kids in junior high. Definitely. <laughs> uh, what kind of trouble? Like we, we would always, uh, you know, just horsing around and like definitely kind of like vandalize things. Like I remember one time, we brought like oranges and apples into the locker room. For some reason, we decided to throw them everywhere. And it was a big deal at this school. Um, and it, it, it kind of made me realize like, maybe that's not the type of person I want to be. And I, I remember even kind of using a white lie in that situation. Like, did you throw an orange? And I knew I, I threw an apple. So it was kind of easy to lie. I was like, I didn't throw an orange. And in the back of my mind, all I could think is like, yeah, I threw an apple. So, you know, but... Um, another thing is like in gym class, you just like kind of, we were kind of like, just like known as like the dick kind of jock kids and weren't very nice to, you know, a lot of people. And I remember getting called in the office for that and getting in lots of trouble. And I look back at it and it, it was funny, but it was still important to learn to, you know, like you shouldn't just, just, uh, to be accepted in the group, you shouldn't, you know, put down others to make you be part of that or, you know, don't degrade yourself or degrade others just to feel accepted or, you know, be part of, quote, the cool kids. Because, you know, everyone has their own story. Everyone has their own walk of life. Everyone has their own challenges. And it's not fair and it's not uh, it's not wise on your own part. You're degrading yourself by putting others down. I love that. Yeah. And it's it, absolutely true. And I think to the listeners out there, and I'm glad that you shared that part of your story, too, that it almost feels like as I listen to you, that you're talking to your old self that God, I was part of these friends. Yeah. Back then that, you are the company you keep. Yeah, exactly. You are the product of your five closest friends. Mm-hmm. We talk a lot of that about that at building Utah youth. Absolutely. And you want to know where you're going, who are you hanging out with? Exactly. I couldn't agree more. And that's, it wasn't till later, you know, it, uh, later in high school where I definitely kind of had to take some time to reflect and like who, who, who am I surrounding myself by? How are these people affecting me? Is this who I really want to be surrounding myself by? People who are just partying, have no ambition, who are just, um, you know, being judgmental, getting into trouble, following the hype, you know, because I feel like I've always had some really strong ambitions and some really strong goals of mine. And it, it really wasn't until later, I feel like about probably senior year or no, it was, yeah, junior year where I really kind of took that to heart and uh, made some hard decisions where I had to cut off a lot of friends because, you know, I, that's just not who I wanted to be surrounded by. Yeah. 
Let's talk about the road trip to San Francisco. The road trip to San Francisco. All right. I, I remember before, because like I said, I was, in high school, I was feeling very insecure. I still let that awkward, you know, thing that people laid me as like this define me as being just, you know, this skinny, uh, goofy kid, you know, who could kind of just roll with the punches. And, uh, you know, I still likable, but, you know, I, I, I let a lot of things. So were you that goofy kid? I was that goofy kid. Yeah. Kind of. You know, I was the yes man. You know, people would tell me to do something. Yo, go jump off this. Do something crazy. Do the backflip, whatever. You know, uh, go mess with this person in public or whatever. I I decided that was my kid because people, you know, kind of, you know, they liked that. They liked the attention that I would just do things like that. And it it wasn't until later. I remember we were driving back from a trip from San Francisco during the winter, right before second semester, and. Uh, my parents turned on an audio book and I remember I was against it. I didn't want to listen to it. I was like, yeah, you know, I got my stuff figured out. I don't, I don't need you guys. Not a chance. The last thing I want to do is listen to a book. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I, I was just against it. I thought, you know, I already know stuff. I'm smart. You know, I'm, I'm the best. I already, I got all this stuff figured out. But then this book started talking and it, things just started hitting at me and realized how much I let my ego drive all my decisions instead of myself and my intuition. I, I wasn't really following my heart or who I wanted to be. And it, after that book, I, I remember I decided right there that I was going to make a change of the life that I wanted to live. I wasn't going to be that kid anymore because I, I would have, I had social anxiety. Like I was scared. I was frightened to talk to girls. I let that awkwardness get to my head. I know it sounds stupid, whatever, like, but girls, like I, I don't know. I let them go to my head for a while and I was so frightened. I decided that day, I was like, I'm just going to talk to the cutest girl every day in my driver's ed class. And all of a sudden, like things started, you know, rolling. I started watching videos of how to like psychology videos, how to talk to people, how to like dress better, how to, you know, I, and that's when I also started my fitness journey. Cause I was so sick of, you know, just people like poking fun at me like, Oh, you're so skinny. You're like, you're a twig. You're like, you're just the tiniest little thing. Like, and I, that it was right there that I decided to change that and things started going better. But then I, as I got more confidence, it was actually delusional confidence and turned into cockiness. And all I could do was say, I couldn't, I, like I said, I don't care, you know, cause that was just my safety net. I would just say, I didn't care about anything. So, you know, nothing would affect me. Like, no, I don't care. And my parents, would always, you know, they even started saying like, yeah, your middle name should just be Graham. I don't care, Henry, because I, I wouldn't respect my parents. I wouldn't respect anyone. I just thought I knew what I was doing. I had was figuring my stuff out, starting to like, you know, talk to girls and stuff. And so I let it go straight to the noggin. And the good news is that you're not alone. I mean, that's, I mean, it's 16, 17 years old. That's, 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 you know, often your, your parents don't know anything, right? Mm -hmm. They don't. No, they They're, don't. Your parents are dumb. You know everything exactly. at that age. You're right. I thought, and, and you don't care because as long as you don't care, your ego doesn't get bruised and you don't have any, you know, yeah. so I'm confident and I know what I'm talking about and then it doesn't matter. Exactly. I, I was like becoming mute to my own emotions. I was like, I, you know, I would just say I don't care anything. It was just the ultimate defense mechanism as I'm holding up and bottling up so much emotion just because I didn't want to let go. I didn't want to be vulnerable. I didn't actually want to take some time to really reflect at myself. And I remember, cause my brother at this point, he already went to rapport and I saw how it changed him. But I was like, yeah, yeah, it's cheesy, whatever. And then I remember right before I went, I decided, you know, I don't want to go into it with like this attitude. And I'm like, I'm actually going to try. Maybe there's something I could learn. And I feel like that. I'm actually going to do it. Yeah. Not try. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I'm actually going to, I'm going to do it. And so I made that decision cause I don't, I knew there was some value to it. I saw how it affected my brother and I saw a lot of positive things about it. And, and I didn't want to just be the kid who showed up and was just like, hmm, yeah, whatever. I'm too cool for this. I'm too good. Even though I still kind of did have that attitude a little bit, <laughs> honestly. And how old were you? So right before you went? I was 16. 16 years Only old. Only 16 for just barely. For about two months. Yeah, and the backstory on that is is when Graham showed up to class, um, his brother was there volunteering. Ben, Benton was there on team, and and 
Benton showed up on team and he's like, man, my brother is so mad at me. He is pissed. <laughs> and I said, well, what happened? And he said, well, I backed into his car when I was leaving to come up here. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I was, uh, I was pretty angry when I showed up. Not, not going to lie. I, I was, I was furious. I remember I was showing up to them and, uh, up to it. And if you haven't been to rapport before, but the, that what, what are they? The team leaders? Is that what he was? They're not allowed to really show emotion or, you know, they're trying to be like stoic, have a very calm face. I remember going straight up to my brother. I was like, why did you back into my car? Huh? What do you have to say for that? And he, he couldn't keep it together. <laughs> <laughs> he couldn't keep his face straight. He's like, Ugh, I will be known as known in due time. <laughs> and I, that pissed me off so Aww. much. Yeah. But then you got started. And then I got yeah, started yeah. and I instantly just went into survival mode. I was like, oh God, this is freaky. They, they had me going in the speech immediately. I was so underprepared and, you know, kind of stuttering up there. And you had other things to worry about. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I had other things. The car immediately just went to the back <laughs> of my mind. No longer my focus. Yeah. Rapport was really important for me. I feel like that was like the kickstart. Like ego is the enemy was kind of like a spark. And that's the name of the book. Ego yeah. is the enemy. Yeah. That's the yeah, name that's of the a book. Great book. It, awesome book. Definitely helped start me, you know, to get things rolling. And then uh, rapport was really like the kickstart, like kind of pouring a splash of gasoline onto my fire to really get things figured out. I realized, you know, there are things to care about. Like I, if you care about nothing, then it's exactly that you care about nothing. You'll have no ambition, no goals, because nothing will matter to you. It made me realize, you know, to stand up for myself and be a leader of my friends, help just knowing that there's maybe a slight chance that I could maybe influence someone in a positive way. I really, I really took that to heart and I took the whole leadership thing of rapport to heart. Cause I, I wanted to be the person, you know, who would stand up for people instead of just, um, you know, be the guy who rolled with the punches and, and it would hold my ground and would be a solid leader. And it, it was really hard. I had to dig deep. I had to actually take a, you know, a good look at myself and, say, you know, I'm, I'm not all that. I don't have things figured out. It's okay to ask for help. It's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to show your emotions. It's okay to understand that you're wrong sometimes. And it's okay to listen to your mom and dad. <laughs> it's okay to listen to your mom and dad. Cause a lot of times what they're trying to say is, uh, you know, kind of right on the, right on the spot with what you're going through, but you know, you don't want to listen to them. And so, uh, I just had a lot more respect for them after that. And I don't know, it really changed who I was as a person ever since that moment. And I'm always going to be forever grateful for that. And if I ever see like kids kind of in this similar situation, I, I, I always recommend it to them because, and they're, everyone's skeptical though. In high school, I'm like, hey, you know, you should go to this. It seriously changed my life. And they're like, yeah, yeah, no, I'm already, I'm already this, I'm already that. I don't need that. And I was like, well, what? That doesn't change with age. No, it doesn't. And to be clear what Building Utah Youth and Rapport, our program's about, we are looking for kids doing just good enough. Mm-hmm. And we want to take them to the next level. Exactly. We're not a alcohol program. We're not a rehab. We're looking for the kids just doing the bare minimum in life. And we want to take them so high and mm-hmm. see their inner potential. Yeah, you know, you think about, um, and you ask yourself the question, Graham, why do you think your, your mom and your dad, you know, I wouldn't say made you go to the class cause they didn't make you go, but why do you think that they encouraged you to go like they did? Well, first they, they heard about it. I think it was from you, JJ. And then, so they sent my brother and he, he was struggling even more than I was before he went. And I think it's when they saw what happened to him when he came back, uh, you know, just as a person, they saw how extremely valuable that was. And so not only did they send me, they sent uh, well, one of my best friends, his name's Grant Parson. He went also, they sent his sister, uh, Bree, and then they sent uh, another buddy of mine, Landon Taylor. Cause you know, they, they really preached what they saw. And I, I believe that's why they sent me because they, there's value to it. Whether you like it or not, if you show up with a sour face, you're going to come out of that thing with a smile on your face and you're going to be, you're going to be grateful for what your parents made you do. Um, even going as a team leader, I saw, I went with like a football team and I think they, they saw the immediate like results, how they felt. They instantly felt better. They 
had more confidence. And at the end of the day, they were grateful, which is what I think is you know important. You know, you, and it makes you appreciate your parents a little more. So the grateful part, I mean, that's a pretty common piece, you know, when, when we get to a place in our life where we start recognizing things for what they are and the value and, and really starting to have gratitude, you know, for the people in our lives and even the struggles that we've had. I mean, you think back on the, all the moving around and you think back in to the diversity and the gifts you've been given by being able to see people for their character and who they are and living in these different places and yet having this family that loves and cares for you and, and being grateful for it mm-hmm. and being grateful for the, the tough things. Exactly. Exactly. You, you got to take everything with a grain of salt and you know, there's always something to be learned from it. You know, you, you shouldn't look at anything as, Oh, that was bad. And let the failure define you or the bad thing define you instead look at it what can i learn from that to keep me pushing you know like i it's a like you hear it all the time from motivational people like you know losers let their failures define them and winners let their failures like a you know just help keep pushing them forward there's something to learn there's always something to take away from it and be grateful for i know for for me in my life and i know you guys are the same it's like uh can't wait to fail it's just, it's almost fun now to make a mistake or to learn something new. Cause that's really where we learn the most now. Um, and, and even when we were young, it was, we learned a lot from the failures. We just didn't recognize it as, as early. We weren't aware of it and we certainly weren't grateful for the failures, but now that's, that's what it's all about. And you think about the, the personal growth piece, right? You, uh, listening to that book, you remember that. Mm-hmm. That was a, that was a key moment where you started to look inward at yourself and how you were showing up, not showing up, um, who you're hanging around with, things like that. You did you make the choice to go to rapport, even though maybe it was made for you to some degree. You still made the choice because of your attitude mm-hmm. in how you're going to show up. Again, that was a defining moment. That was a key piece of how you changed that direction, and you're starting to build that key ring. And JJ talks about that that you, you are the key. You have, you have the key to, you know, your possibilities, then your goals and your dreams and hopes. You are the key and continuing to do those things. That's what's important. You know, I'm a, I'm a book audible addict now and, and personal growth. I just love it because it's making a decision to put myself in a place where I know that if I spend the time doing this, I'm going to learn something, I'm going to grow from it and I'm going to make a shift. And until you're aware of something, you can't do anything about it. So when you think about that um, and you're having this thought process at 17 years old now, mm-hmm. you know, 16, 17 years old, you're now thinking this way and you come out of that training and you know that you have uh, an awesome brother and you love him. And you have parents that absolutely care for you. You know that they're on your team, right? Yeah. And you're now looking at your group of friends. You've got, you got to go through this training with some amazing, just solid people. But when you walked in there, you were thinking you were different. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So how different were you? Well, it, it definitely changed everything for me. I, I went from not really taking action to things like, a, I wouldn't even mentally show up, um, stuff I, I would just kind of check out and be like yeah you know whatever I, I, I like I, I don't care you know that was my famous quote uh, throughout that but after that I I started showing up I wanted to take action I wanted to be just a better version of myself and it, it, it had some reflection even with my friends like I had a really fun summer after that but it wasn't until later where it really hit me that a lot of my friends were you know they were still bullies and they still bullied some of my closest friends within that friend group. And it kind of was at that moment, you know, I, I, I had to make that decision. I was like, I, like, I'm sorry. I, I, you know, I can't be friends with you guys anymore. This isn't fair. This isn't fair to my friends. Like, like my friend Grant, he has dyslexia. And I remember they always like picked on him for that, you know, and, and I, that always really bugged him. I always, I remember him, he came to me and he was like, he was in tears basically. He's like that. He's like, that's just not fair. He's like, I can't change that about myself. Like there's Graham, I'm proud of you. You know, that's that's a leader right there that stands up for their your values. And when you know your values, the decisions are already made. Mm-hmm. And I truly love what you just said. And, you know, as you talk about your friends and, you know, after rapport, we talk a lot about that. 
you get to decide, you get to look in the mirror, you get to look at the person that's going to make a big change in your life. Yeah. And it, it's ever, it never stops it. For me, it's kind of like mountain biking. The higher you go, the better the view. And that's where your personal journey, there's no, I'm going to make it to here and I'm done. It's what you just listened to Brett. He's continuing to learn and learn. And I do the same. I continue to read and pick up new books. I have not read your book. I am going to read it. It, And I love it. I love that you share that, but your friends do make a big difference. And I, one quick thing, my daughter, I used to tell her, she was like, dad, I don't have five friends. I said, it's better to have zero friends than to have one or 10 bad friends because you can have your best friend be in a book that they can teach you a lifetime in 30 days, what to do and what not to do. And some of the times the friends that you did have teach you the best lesson in life, which is what not to do with your dyslexia friend. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I I love that. What you said. Um, I, I totally, I totally agree. And for me, that was the beginning of a, you know, a journey junior year. That was, that was a weird one. That was, I had a lot of fun. I made a lot of new friends. You know, I found like, you know, a girl I liked and things like that. But um, it was, you know, it felt kind of like I was at a stalemate, like a, nothing was really moving forward. I was just doing the same old things, falling in the same old rut, same old patterns. And, uh, you know, it, because uh, I guess at that age, you know, you're not really ever going to figure it out. You're, you're going to go through the ups and downs because you're still trying to figure it out with your friends and everything. But there's, one thing I knew that those were not the people I wanted to surround myself by. Yeah. You're figuring out yourself. How was that when you broke away from them and like, how is it now? I'm cool with uh, everyone. I, I went back and you know, like not going to lie. I, there's some people I was, I was pretty rude to in high school and after high school, I really looked back and reflected at that. And I realized, you know, that's on bad terms. You know, they're, they're going to have this idea about me and, I'm like, that's just not who I am anymore. And I don't, I don't even necessarily know them anymore either. So I made a decision to reach out to all those people and, you know, genuinely apologize and say, Hey, look, I'm sorry. I know I wasn't the coolest to you in high school, but I want you to know I'm actually really sorry. And I I never really meant any of those things I did. And I hope you understand. And if not, you know, that's okay. I get that too. If they don't, or didn't understand immediately they will. Yeah. And they'll look back and, and have such an unbelievable amount of respect for you. Exactly. But you know, it was weird. Cause it felt like I was like, wow, well, you know, my friend circle, my friend group, it used to be huge. You know, we, we had like this group chat, it was called <laughs> the boys or whatever. And there, it started getting it overflowed. There was just so many people in it. And I was like, I, I can't do this anymore. So it was kind of like a, a reset. It was just me and my, my two friends. His name is uh, Porter and uh, Grant. And then Jordan, he was one of them I cut out, but he came back and he realized what he did. And he's still one of my most best friends to this day. But, um, and also at that time I was looking for like new friends. Um, I met this kid, his name was uh, Jackson Perry. And he started introducing me to like rock climbing and all other things. And he kind of showed me, you know, that there's more things to do than just like a run around and be crazy. There's a lot to be done in like nature and there's a lot of appreciation just, you know, for the simple things and like cool music. And, you know, you don't need a lot of friends to do all these crazy things. You can enjoy more simple things. Sounds like your dad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of beauty in simplicity, you know, there's, and I got really into rock climbing and I, that's when I first started junior year was when I first started kind of feeling confident. I was getting in better shape. I, I mean, even though I was still skinny, I was, I, I considered myself shredded or whatever. Tough. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but I had a lot of fun doing that. skiing a lot and it was, it was, it was just a fun year how I would describe it. It sounds like you really started to, to really start to put some focus on your vision for you. Yes, absolutely. I, I was more focused on like kind of achieving like what I want and taking micro steps. Like, uh, I started a journal, um, junior year also. And it was, it's, I, I just recently read it and it was really funny. It was a trip looking back at that thing. <laughs> and that wasn't that long ago. 
No, and that's the craziest thing is that it wasn't that long ago. I'm like, I am miles different than that person who was in that journal. But that's how growth works. It's it's something that that's why history is so important that we we look at history to learn from it. Um, but also we really get to be aware of where we're at today. Where are we really at today? Where are you at today? And you think back to junior year, moving into your senior year, you're making a lot of just adjustments with your physical health, you know, your mental health and really getting focused on who is important to you and what's important to you. And, um, during that time, you know, there's a lot of crazy things going on. Yeah. There, there was a ton. I, it was, it was junior summer after I was kind of done with the, this first girl or whatever. I, I kind of, you know, I moved on. I was sad for a bit, you know, everyone's experienced it in high school probably. And, uh, you know, I, I wasn't going to let that define me. I was, I remember reading that journal and I was actually kind of proud of myself. I was like, I remember saying like, I'm not going to, I like I, in the journal, I was saying, I'm not going to make the decision to hate this girl or, I'm, I'm going to take away what she learned. Cause I, I learned a lot from this person and, uh, I wasn't going to let that define them or whatever. And then I moved on and then all of a sudden I got a really solid group of friends that I would just constantly hang out with. It was boys and girl. And it was a small group. It, it was only seven people. Uh, they were, they were small group. And that was definitely my funnest summer was junior summer for sure. But then, it, then came senior year and that's when, uh, the real doozy came. <laughs> to say the least. That's, uh, cause you know, I, I liked another girl and then she rejected me. That made me sad. But then another thing was my best friend. Like he started developing uh, like a crazy ego. And I remember he started like leaving me out of things and I was kind of just losing friends and I fell kind of in a bad place. And, uh, one thing I was grateful for was my one friend Porter. He was, he was always there for me. Like during that time, it was a weird time later in the year, it was, it was another weird time with my brother and my family and COVID hit. And, uh, you know, I, I was out of school. I remember going to school and I was like, ah, you know, I got an early spring break, but that was my last day of school in third quarter, uh, before I even knew I was going to be done. Um, yeah, my mom had like a back surgery and it just seemed like everything was going downhill from there. During that time, I started hanging out with a bad group of kids again. They were like, the popular kids in high school. And I, I always wanted to be part of this uh, group. And finally I made my way into it, but then I started to see how nasty it was kind of. I remember going to their parties and they were all stealing like from each other. They would all just, you know, stab each other in the back. None of them were really there for each other. It was super judgmental and, you know, it tore my friend group apart because, you know, I was like, ah, oh, well the cool kids invited me. So I'm going to leave my other actual solid friends out. And, and I lost a ton of friends from that. And, and I was, in, I was in a weird place. I was like, I feel like I lost the girl I liked. I lost all my friends and, and I wasn't really sure what to do after high school. I hear it all the time. Most people don't know what to do after high school. They're just like, uh, they're most, just most people listening, um, they got to finish high school and graduate and things like that. And you got to, um, just be done. Yeah, it was it was like you leave for an early spring break in in March and you're done. That's it. School's over. Yeah, it it was weird. It never really felt like closure. I want you to talk about that for just a minute because I, I say most people got to experience that, but there's a ton of of kids that didn't nationwide. Yeah, yeah. I mean, nationwide left left out, and and that's one of those things they'll never get back. And they, they didn't get the closure. Mm -mm. They were just done. And, you know, you think about as a, as a, as a senior in high school, you're a senior in high school. That's who, that's who you are. That's your identity. Your friends are your identity. Um, the, the sports that you're playing, that's your identity, your hobbies, that's your identity. If you have a girlfriend or boyfriend and you don't, that it, that's your, every, that's your identity tied up in all those things. And when it, when it gets pulled out from underneath, you know, somebody pulls a rug out from underneath and that identity goes away. It's, it's back to a place of being lost to some degree. Yeah, uh, yeah, ex exactly. I, 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 I was very uncertain. I, I wasn't sure what the next move was. I, you know, it was just weird having school stop. Cause what I realized is it's, it's kind of just like your plan laid out. And that's why a lot of kids, 
they're just comfortable. You know, they don't really push themselves. You know, I didn't because, you know, school was my plan. That's all I had going on is school, you know, uh, it's never going to end. And then all of a sudden, one day it just ended. And I, all of a sudden, I never saw most of these kids I would see every single day, would no longer see them. Uh, all the teachers, uh, you know, I didn't even get to say goodbye to them. I just was, I was just done. It just, it was weird. And I just had to float around, stay in my house for those two months. And it was definitely lonely, but I, I remember trying to make the best of it and still, you know, going to like fires at the lake, but, um, it, it's definitely strange. So you had the same friends at that at that time so you stayed close not you know you were talking about before you're the cool kids you went to the party you mm -hmm. kind of walked away from your solid friends yeah that's when i started hanging out with the popular kids so once it ended now you're hanging out with the popular kids that are backstabbing each other exactly and how long did that last not long i it started hanging out. My one friend invited me and we started getting invited to another and another. And I remember one thing that really like kind of stuck out. It, it, it was a moment we all, we all went to take pictures for graduation and I didn't tell my best friend. We, I, did, I just left him out. And I remember him texting me. No, he called me. He said, dude, I, oh, what the heck? He, why are you not telling me? Like, are we not cool? Or, and then I, I kind of still ignored it though. I was like, mm, nah, I'm on to bigger and better things. I'm with the cool kids or whatever. And then it, it started falling apart like uh, pretty hardcore there. And it wasn't until like the end of May where I was like, I finally took a stand again. And I, I kind of had to stand up to these kids because I was going to go on this senior trip with them. And they invited me, but they were going to leave out, you know, my other best friends. And they were, they said it didn't bug them, but it was pretty obvious that it bugged them. And I knew these weren't kids I wanted to go to California with and uh, be involved with that. So uh, that was another important moment in, of, you know, deciding who I'm, I want to be a part of my life. Do I want these people who are genuine, who are going to have my back and I'm going to have their back and we can get along and have deep emotional conversations or people who are just chasing the hype and chasing the thrill of the party and what's the next best thing and, oh, you know, screw this girl, let's go to the next one. And like all the, you know, it very toxic, not, it wasn't a good, good place to be. So I made that decision to, you know, go back and I rallied up my friends and one of them, unfortunately, you know, we dropped off for the summer. That was my friend Porter. I was like, sorry, man, like it, it's gone too far. Like, you know, cause our relationship was pretty bad at that point. It was, it, was, it wasn't good either. And I feel like that was the summer is when my journey like really got kickstarted though. Like really, really, I heard about this opportunity, uh, to work for a CBD company and, uh, it, it's, it was, a, it's, a, it's like a startup company, but it, it's like business stuff. And I was like, man, I, I need to do this. I've all, cause I've always been interested in being an entrepreneur, you know, like not kind of like following the system, you know, the, the cookie cut recipe they want every kid to follow. You go to college, you get your degree, you work your nine to five and you just do the same old thing. And then by the time you're 60, you retire. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, no, that's, that's not me. Cause I remember reading the book. Sorry, going all the way back. This is a, this is a different side. I kind of left out. I read the book, uh, rich dad, poor dad in eighth grade. <laughs> and that's that, my favorite book. I got to interrupt you. I probably read that no less than 70 times. Anybody listening to this at whatever age, my daughter was seven years old. I was reading that book to, mm -hmm. to her. If whoever's listening, if you have not read Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki, read it right now. There's 10 circles to life. That's only the financial. That's not everything. But if you want to know about finances and how to build real wealth, Robert Kiyosaki's got it going on. Keep going. Exactly. That, Cause that book, I read that book and I, it, it, something clicked. I was in eighth grade. I was like, whoa wait, you're telling me this is how money works. <laughs> I don't gotta, you gotta, I don't have to do these things. Everyone else is doing, I could be free. And it, that right there, I made a decision. I'm not going to follow the recipe. I'm going to take a stand. I'm going to take a risk. And that's another thing throughout high school. I always would tell people this. I would preach it. They, they looked at me like I was crazy. I, and that's another thing that always bugged me in my life is when people told me I can't do something. I would, it drove me nuts. It made, it made me want to work even harder. 
Nice. Like my teacher, I, I remember telling them, they're like, are you going to college? And I, I just had to man up. I looked her in the eyes and said, no, I'm not. And she literally told me if I don't go to college, I wouldn't like be anything. I wouldn't make it. And I remember that very vividly. And it, oh man, got the fire going in me. I just, cause so many people would, you know, they just didn't take it serious. They didn't believe me. And that's, it was a huge motivation all through my life is when someone told me I can't do something. You can't do that. Nah, you can't. That's impossible. And I've always, I've always been a strong believer that anything is possible if you put your mind to it. And, you know, I've always followed that. I've always believed in that. So you get an opportunity to go to work for this company and it's a startup and that was taking a risk, right? Because you were being paid handsomely. No, I, <laughs> I worked for free the whole summer. I, I decided I wanted to learn. I remember going into that meeting and the thing is they didn't want an 18 year old kid doing this. You know, they wanted actual people with sales experience. And I remember constantly just texting one of the girls in the company. Hey, is there any openings? No, there's not. Hey, is there any openings next week? No, there's not. Hey, is there any openings? No, there's not. Hey, is there any openings? No, there's not. Okay. Maybe I can weasel you in. Okay, really when? Mm, in a bit. Okay, when? And then eventually I got to that first meeting and I just had to work for free. I knew there was some value here. There's something to learn. And that's when the journey really started. I was completely overwhelmed though. I, you know, uh, being fresh out of high school and doing business to business sales, like going up and, hey, can I speak to the owner here? At 18. <laughs> At 18. But, you know, I just, I grew some big nuts and said, I'm going to do it. I don't care how many times I'm going to fail. I will figure this out. There's something to learn here. There's money to be made. And so I finally worked the whole summer for free, basically. And by the time we got- It was like, it was like, you know, 10 cents an hour, or 20 cents an hour, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> like they still paid me commission, but it was, you know- it was, but you didn't sell very much. It was, it wasn't nothing. But the thing is I, I started cause I was working two jobs. I was doing that for free and I was working at quick quack car wash. And that was kind of my first taste of sales experiences, you know, selling car washes. And that's one of the things that bugged me about the job. I never really felt, uh, uh morally good, I guess, you know, like, what did you learn from, from that summer? You know, you got to work for free, but you learned. Something. Yeah. No, I learned a lot about business and sales and how things work and how, relationships works, how sales work. If you learning to be genuine, like I, I remember going into every store with the mindset of not, okay, I want their money. I want them to buy some, how can I help this person? What can I offer to them? Cause how I looked at CBD is like, you know, I'm helping them by, you know, they could sell more, they could get more business. It's helping my company I work for and the person who's buying it, it could, you know, potentially help with their aches or, you know, their pains, whatever, anxiety, things like that. And, uh, that's when the, the owner of the company, Ammon Bennett, super cool guy, <laughs> um, he offered me a full-time job and that's when I really kicked it into gear and started, I figured out selling. I figured out that's something I was good at. I didn't realize all throughout high school, I was prepping myself to be a salesperson <laughs> by looking up these psychology videos, how to dress good, how to, you know, how to talk to girls, how to talk to girls, <laughs> you know? And, uh, so that was going good. And then, you know, it's a startup company. So he said, look, I, uh, I, uh, I can't pay you this anymore. So I, I said, you know, I'm, I'm going to quit. Sorry, man. I, you know, I, I need some sustainability. I need something. And that's when this dude really flipped my life around. And he said, look, I, uh, cause I didn't know he owned another company uh, X3 tech, which was way larger. I had no clue about anything about this, but he, he offered me, I could come to this company and learn because he, he believed, he believed in me. And th this is something important I want to talk about. Um, I guess for anyone who's listening, like if you feel like you're doing something and like no one believes you, someone's telling you can't, it's all it takes is one person to, you know, take that risk on you to like, you know, if you prove yourself, you go out of your way, it's all about who you know, but just that one person who's going to take a risk on you and say, look, you're a kid, you're hungry. I, I think you got something, you know? And, uh, 
that for me, that was, that was Ammon. He, he took a risk on me and he let me into this company and that completely flipped my world upside down. Has, you know, had me going on airplanes to like all these different things, like learning what big boy sales are. What, what do they do with the company? It's a technology brokerage. So imagine like I would approach a company, like we'll say, we'll say yours, for example. And we're like, okay, we can vet out everything for you. So it's not like I'm coming here just selling you AT&T and forcing AT&T, even though it might not be the best price or, you know, the best product for your company. You know, I'm just trying to make the sale, make the quota or whatever. But the power of being a brokerage is that all the vendors come to us and we can find, actually find you genuinely what you want for your company and not trying to screw you over, uh, help you save money. What you, we can find you exactly what you want. It, it, and this, this company, uh, since it's a brokerage, it can be anything in technology. It can be, you know, cloud services, UCAS, security, literally anything that you can imagine. And that's another power of that is that, you know, anytime, like, let's say the new cloud comes out, for example, uh, all the other companies are scrambling to get that. But we, you know, the vendors can come through us and we can start uh, selling that, basically. So it's a one-stop shop for technology. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and, and you ba- they basically partner with the company uh, to, and vet the company for, you know, their needs and then come up with the, you know, best solutions for that company. And they do it um, by building the relationships mm-hmm. and the trust of, the, of their clients. And, and that's, that's the business plan. And so that's the path that, that Graham's on right now. So yeah. Graham, at that time, you, you said you started to get on planes and travel. Where did continue on that? Well, that just completely flipped my life around. Like I've traveled with my parents. I've always traveled with them, but like not to this extent, like, okay, here, kid, here's an airplane ticket. Uh, you're going to California and I'm, you know, it, it can't go to a business conference, it, it, going to a business conference. And it, it, have you guys ever read the book? Uh, can't hurt me. Yes. By David, David Goggins. Sorry, my I'm man. Kind of, I'm kind that's of, your favorite book, My JK? man, that's my favorite book. <laughs> hey, I, Once the, again, 10 Circles of Life. You almost have to uh, be under a rock right now not to be familiar <laughs> with who Goggins is. Goggins. But I think yeah. that, that's also a big piece of where you've been focused on with your fitness, right? Yes. Um, I guess circling back. Sorry, I'm kind of jumping all over. That's okay. Because during that summer I worked for free, I, I had a girlfriend and it was, uh, I hate to say it, it wasn't, it wasn't genuine. You know, I kind of, like I, I did it just as a rebound to make me feel, cause I thought that's what life was. I was like, you get a good job. I was like, okay, the CBD thing, I'm kind of figuring that out, you know? And then you just have a girlfriend and then, but to me, it was just a bandaid figuring on, uh, covering up what was really going on in the inside of, a, uh, you know, what I really wanted to be in my goals. And, you know, that was another time that, you know, it was hard. I, I so I broke up with her and then I felt lost and my mom kept pushing that book on me can't hurt me. She's like, Oh, read this Graham. It's perfect for you. You just got out of a breakup. And I'm like, uh, it was actually, it was actually Brett. You told my mom about it. And then my mom read it. And then she's like, Graham, you need to read this. It fits your lifestyle. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. She's like, no, Graham, you need to read this book. And that book is what really changed my life. And that's actually when I started selling really good for the CBD company. Cause I, I took everything to heart in that book at, at first challenge, got everything out. And I was like, damn it. I, I, I am, I'm not, I don't take responsibility. I don't take accountability for myself because, you know, everyone wants to point the fingers and say, oh, it's not my fault. It's everything else. But that book made me take some real hardcore reflection and realize exactly (laughs) accountability. Just like he says. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that book alone can change someone's life. If you, my, my advice is a lot of people read the book, but they don't do the challenges. Every time there's the challenge, as soon as you're done reading that chapter, just bang it out, write it out, take the time to do that. Graham, I got to, I got to interrupt you. You know, I look back at your story from the very beginning when you started and you were talking about Seattle and Brett, you know, brought it up again, you know, at the very beginning of this conversation, what was the constant throughout your talk today? And it was your family. Mm -hmm. You know, you go back, you, you're in Seattle, you're, you've got your brother, you got your mom and dad. Fast forward to what you were just talking about with David Goggins. Your mom comes to you and says, please read this. This is your journey. 
And I think going forward, and that's what we're about, the five of us in this room, is listen to the people that love you the most. They, they are on your side, Graham, and mm-hmm. the people in my life and the people in Brett's and Jeff and Mesa's life. Listen to them because I think sometimes you get, what's the book that you were talking about? Ego is the enemy. You got it. Mm-hmm. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. No, once you started reading um, Goggins and, and starting going and, and doing the work, right? Because you can listen to it, you can talk about it, but until you're willing to do the work, exactly. you will not get any results. It doesn't happen. So you start doing the work. And what was the most important part about doing the work? It's about measuring, mm-hmm. right? It's, you started measuring your work. You started measuring your goals. When you're setting those goals, it's, it's actually putting a measurement on things. Yeah, it's, it's, it's trackable. You can see the progress. It's not just, you know, like just throwing a rock down the canyon, hoping it would, like lands on the target. You're actually making a plan. You're putting in that hard work. That Who is? I am. I, I was making the effort to do all those things. And that's when I started seeing results. Um, you know, plain and simply, I, I took, you know, my gym uh, grind to a whole new level and actually started seeing the results I wanted. And I, uh, I was pretty proud of myself, but I still wasn't really doing it for the right reasons. In my opinion, I was doing it for more of the aesthetics, you know, the looks instead of, you know, uh, yeah, my, my, my views on working out are completely different now than they were before. What are they now? What are, what's your views now? I, I was coming back from Mexico and I watched this documentary on the plane ride back. Uh, it was Bruce Lee, uh, is B water and how he made it more of a philosophical thing of training every part of your body and mastering your mind and not just, you know, not just doing it for the show. So I started focusing on strength, but it wasn't until my boss introduced me to MMA and I was like, wait, well, what does it actually mean to be in good shape? You know? And so I changed from like, I started getting, now I feel like I'm in the best shape of my life because my cardio is good. I feel flexible. I feel loose instead of just constantly looking in the mirror like, mm, yeah, I'm, I'm so big. I look, you know, all those things. That's what Jeff does <laughs> every night, baby. <laughs> <laughs> but, and that it's, it's, it's more, that's more true confidence. I feel like than a, you know, just looking in the mirror. I mean, it's one thing to be important with how you look, but it's another thing to be happy with how you feel. Do you actually feel healthy? Do you feel strong? Do you feel fit? Do you feel flexible? You know, things like that. And your mind, right? And, and your mind, especially, are you actually pushing yourself for a look or are you pushing yourself to be better? And that's write that down, everybody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, as we start to wrap this up, Graham, and, and it's been, it's been amazing having you with us. Um, I want to ask you a couple more questions. I'm going to give you an opportunity, first of all, to give a shout out to anybody you want to give a shout out to after you answer this next question. And that is, you know, where are you going? I'm, I'm going forward in a direction more focused on my purpose of what I want to do, my goals, learning to detach myself from all the things like, you know, a struggle with this job is like I'm 19 in this job and, you know, I'm trying to balance being a kid at the same time. But uh, I had to realize is that it's, you know, sometimes you have to realize you have to do things that are greater for your, the greater than yourself. Do you want to be the person who just wants to accumulate wealth and be selfish with it? Or do you want to do something, you know, follow your heart? I had to follow my heart, but, you know, following my heart and my goal is to get truly to where I want to be and, you know, actually taking the risks and realize that it's, it's going to be a struggle. It's, it's not going to be easy. Success just doesn't land on your lap. You know, even if it does, it, you know, at least I feel like mentally you didn't really earn that. You aren't satisfied. And doing the work. I mean, the, you're, you're focused on your mental and physical health. You're focused on taking risks right now. Mm-hmm. You've got a mentor and you've got some amazing role models. And you're um, learning. And you're, you're learning. Learning. Yeah. Always learning. Made it a habit to, to read at least five days a week and write. Nice. I think it's, it's very important to always, you know, I, I read. And then so I learn more knowledge. I'm becoming a smarter person 
And then writing it allows myself to reflect on who I am and, uh, you know, take a deep dive and, you know, sometimes take a pause and like say, wait, am I, am I actually doing this or am I just like tricking myself into believing these things? And I don't know. I think it's important to always reflect. Well, and in the army too, one of the things that they always talk about is after action reviews and it's exactly what you just said. So I went to a seminar once and they talked about, as you read, you read for, you know, 40 minutes, but for 20 minutes, you journal like what you're talking about. And I've been doing that since 2019, Graham. And you look back at the books that can't hurt me, just the different books. And it's like, wow, these are great lessons that I purposely Mm -hmm. wrote in my journal. And it really reflects on, you know, you talked about character. You talked about, you know, not to jump back too far, but your senior year going into May, you're hanging out with the cool kids. You had a pivotal point that your integrity, your values were really solid there. And you're going to continue to do that as you go forward. And I'm proud of you, man. I'd, I'd, I'd love to hear your story. Yeah. You know, Graham, the, the bulk of your stories happened in, you know, three or four years. And I know that at that age of, you know, 16 to 20 years old, that, that feels like an entire lifetime because it is your entire lifetime that you're talking about. And you're going to find out that it starts to move faster and faster and faster. I know your parents talked to you about that and they talked to you about this tool will pass, whatever you're going through. And it's important that one of the greatest uh, things that you shared is how you've always had these friends that have been, you know, there for you. And you've recognized that you get to be that person right? You are on this journey. You're now pushing and stretching yourself. You know that you have greatness inside of you. You have many people that can see that greatness, but what's most important is that you see it and you believe it. And, and that's what we hear. You know, you're going there. Mm-hmm. I think that's the most important thing for anyone to tell themselves is like, a, you know, just be genuinely on, honest with yourself that I always tell myself this, you know, almost every day, you know, you can't give up on yourself. You just can't. By giving up on yourself is giving up on everything in your life, all aspects. And so I think that's very important. You need to validate yourself before you get seek validation from others. That was a big thing for me is, am I validated with myself? Like, you know, who am I? Who do I want to be? Why am I seeking the approval of others? I sh- only person I should uh, seek validation from is myself. And uh, that was a really important lesson for me is to, you know, be happy with myself instead of choosing or just constantly seeking validation. Am I good enough? Am, am I this? Am I that? And I, I think if there's anything to take away from this, it's a, you know, just don't ever give up on yourself. You never don't a- quit. Amen. Well, this is the first time tonight that I've met you and you are unbelievable. Um, you know, Brett and JJ have known you quite a while. Um, just, just the experiences you've gone through, how you've learned from everything. You're so much further along in life already. It's amazing. And the neat thing is, you know, you're the, you're a bonus dad of, of four kids and you're watching them go through all these things, Jeff. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's, it sounds so familiar, right? It's, and they, they, they think that they're on this journey all by themselves and it's just their, their way. And it's not. I mean, everyone has the same thoughts and, and yet the, the sooner that we get honest with ourselves, the sooner we recognize where we're at and, and where we're going, you know, getting clear on those things and people have helped you do it. And I told you that we'd let you give a shout out here, Graham, to anybody you wanted to just, you know, give a shout out to and, and, uh, and it's important that we recognize those people in our lives. I mean, the people in this room right now, um, they're my mentors and role models and friends. This is, this is the people that, that push me. So, you know, floor is yours. Um, well, yeah, I'd like to give a shout out out to my mom and dad and my brother. They, they have been there through thick and thin. They've seen it all. They've seen everything that's gone on with me and they've always supported me. Um, then I'd like to give a shout out to my, to my best friends, um, Grant Parson, Riley Morgan and Jordan Daniels and, and I'll even throw Porter Allison in here, even though me and him are on the best terms. He, he, he was my first buddy when I moved back from Seattle. And he's always been a great friend. Um, 
But, you know, I want to say thank you to those guys because they've always been genuine friends. I can always count on them. And that's always been important to me to have genuine people in my life. Uh, I'd like to give a shout out to my boss and my mentor, uh, Ammon Bennett. He, just for the plain fact that he could look at a kid at me and believe in me and take a chance on me, uh, throwing me in this, you know, environment like this and just understanding and believing that I have what it takes. To me, that's very important. I'd even like to give a shout out to you, uh, Brett and uh, JJ. You guys, you didn't even realize it, but you, you put me, you helped get me in this situation by, you know, even just taking a risk on just kids like me, just by putting me through the program, uh, rapport. There's a lot of value to that. And, uh, you know, I'm internally grateful for that. I, th- I think the, those are the main people, you know, and just all my family, they've always supported me um, and been a huge part of my life. You know, grandmas, grandpas, aunts, uncles. Thank you so much. Well, Graham, thanks for coming in and spending time with us today. It was uh, amazing hearing about your story. And we definitely look forward to, you know, keeping uh, an eye on what you're doing moving forward and staying in touch with you. We appreciate it. Thanks for coming in again. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Graham. Thanks, Graham. And thanks to uh, everyone for joining us on the Empowering Youth Podcast. Be sure to follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at Building Utah Youth. Respect, integrity, passion, personal power, leadership, enthusiasm. This has been the Empowering Youth Podcast from Building Utah Youth. To become part of the 3%, visit Building Utah Youth on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, or on our website at buildingutahyouth.com.